Today we get to hear a little snippet from the book of Jonah. And Jonah is one of my sort of favorite characters in the Hebrew Scriptures because Jonah and I have quite a lot in common. Because Jonah lived under the sea. And I lived under the sea as well. <laughs> now Jonah was in a whale and I was in a submarine, but I'm not sure which one of them smelled the worst. <laughs> And when Jonah was called to this great mission, he ran as far away as he could in the other direction. I did the same thing. And when Jonah finally turned and decided to take up the call that, that God had given him, like me, he was a little reluctant to do so. And so I feel sort of a kinship with Jonah. Now, the, the story of Jonah, in case you um, don't remember exactly, is, is Jonah is a prophet. You know, he's a great prophet of Israel. And this story is, is actually kind of a farce. And so Jonah is kind of presented as this uh, very haughty, very sort of vain person who, who thinks kind of highly of himself and his role as a prophet. And when God calls him to go to Nineveh, he doesn't like that at all. Because it's important to remember that Nineveh is the city of Israel's most hated enemies, the Babylonians, who in fact are going to wipe out Israel at some point, right? So, so he has good reason to not really like the Ninevites. And, and so Jonah says, no, I'm not going to go to Nineveh and tell them to repent. And so he gets on a boat, it says, and he goes to Tarshish. Now Tarshish is sort of the uh, uh, the ancient uh, equivalent of Timbuktu, right? It means somewhere as far away as we can possibly imagine, right? So he gets on this boat and he's off to Tarshish, which is, is far away and not the place he's supposed to go. And of course, there's the storm. And there's a storm because God is trying to get Jonah to, uh, he's trying to get Jonah's attention here. And Jonah, there's this huge storm and it looks like everybody on the boat is going to drown. And in a, a sort of a flash of conscience, Jonah says, it's my fault, so you know, throw me overboard. So they throw him overboard, and theoretically the storm goes away. And this is the point where the giant fish comes and swallows Jonah up. And uh, for three days, he's stuck in the belly of the fish. And then it says it spat him out upon the shore. That's actually what it says in the original. It spat him out on the shore. Imagine being spit up by a fish. <laughs> So anyway, so Jonah emerges from the fish on the shore. Hopefully he, he takes a bath. And then he heads off to Nineveh. And the interesting thing about Jonah, this great prophet, is he is undoubtedly the most peevish prophet that ever lived. Right? Because he doesn't really take up the mission wholeheartedly. He's, he's doing it because... God clearly has in mind that he would do it, and there's going to be some serious consequences if he doesn't, like drowning. But he agrees to go, but he doesn't really do it wholeheartedly. He does it with reluctance, because it says he just goes to Nineveh, and he doesn't really try to tell them anything. He doesn't try to explain about God. He doesn't try to tell them what to do. He just walks through town going, 40 days, you're doomed. That's it. Just kind of does it half-heartedly. And yet it says that everyone responded to God's word that Jonah delivered. Now, it kind of left it out of our reading, but the funniest part is not only did all the people respond, but the livestock even responded. That it says the cows even put on sackcloth and ashes and repented. 
I don't know what a cow repents of, but even the cows and the donkeys and the goats and, and probably the mice, they all repented. Nineveh is the most repentant city that ever was. These horrible, evil people who are the enemy of God's chosen all repent at God's word, delivered peevishly by Jonah. And so God spares them, which is what Jonah was mad about at the very beginning because he said, you know, God, I know you're merciful and I know you're just and I know you're loving and I know you're kind. And so I can't possibly go to Nineveh, those evil people, because I just know you're going to forgive them and they deserve to be punished. And so after Jonah sort of skulks to the city for a couple of days, telling him 40 days you're doomed, he goes up on the hill to watch Nineveh get destroyed. Yeah, come on, Nineveh. But God doesn't because love is loving and God is kind and he is merciful and he is just and he forgives Nineveh of what they did and he changes his mind, as the scripture says, about destroying them. Now, I, I like Jonah not only because we have so much in common, because I, I think that there's a really important lesson here when we are sort of faced with the things that God calls us to do, which is that a lot of times there aren't things that we want to do, right? Now, we're all in favor of following God when following God means doing the things we want to do, right? We're all pretty keen on that. But when God calls us to do things that are difficult or hard or that, that we really don't want to do, or do we have to be with people we don't really want to be with, then we are far more reluctant, I think, to follow God. I mean, at least I am. So I'm going to go on out on the limb and say that's probably true for some of you as well. And we see this not just in our own lives. We see it in the broader culture, right, where we have all noticed Christians who... Um, are all about, you know, Christian morality and goodness until it comes in conflict with something else that is more important to them, right? We, we see this all the time in our society, that we are more than willing to talk about how we follow God when God wants us to do the things we already want to do, but not so much when God calls us to do the things we don't really want to do. And yet, the good thing about Jonah is, is that even in our imperfect faith, even when we do the things that God asks us to do only reluctantly or with great sort of prodding, that God can work with that. If you can just muster a tiny little bit of faith in answering of the call of God's invitation, God can work with that. If God can cause the repentance of the evil people of Nineveh through the half-hearted efforts of Jonah, imagine what God can do with your half-hearted efforts or even your very best efforts. That God doesn't require for us to be perfect in following God. God doesn't require us to be 100% in 100% of the time. God certainly invites us into that and hopes for that. But God knows that we fall short. And yet, as Jesus said, if we can muster even a mustard seed, a tiny little speck of faith, we can do great things. And when we all kind of bring together our imperfect and, and incomplete faiths, when we follow God, even when it's a little, little frayed at the edges, when we bring that all together as the people of God, 
we can do more amazing things still. God doesn't require us to be perfect. God requires us, asks us, to be faithful in our efforts, to, to try to muster the strength to do the thing that God wants us to do and to, and to actually stretch ourselves a little bit and move into the places where we are a little uncomfortable because that's the place where God wants us to go. Because the thing is, is that every person, even the evil Ninevites, were created by God and are imbued with the dignity of being made in the image of God. And so every person we encounter, every person we, we meet, every person we, we uh, serve in this life, whether they seem deserving or not, whether they're good people or really, really difficult people, they're still beloved by God. God still wants them to take up the mantle of faith. Because they are God's beloved children. All of us, every person you've ever known or met or heard of, no matter how astoundingly evil they may be, is not outside of the boundary of God's redemptive love. That's not to say that they're all going to be welcomed at the feast table without any consequences, but it is to say that everyone has the invitation. Everyone has the opportunity to join in the feast, to be a part of God's people. And so the good news, I think, of our Christian faith is that even in our broken and imperfect selves, the selves that we don't really want to share out with the world, God searches our hearts and knows that person and loves them unconditionally and always, always seeks to embrace that person, you, wherever you are, and invite you into deeper relationship with God. And that even with your imperfect faith, God can do amazing things. Amen.